Hello and welcome to the Coda Career Podcast. My name is Cameron and I speak to the movers and shakers in the technology industry where we can learn from what they've learned, what advice they'd give to people earlier in their careers and what they're planning on doing in the future. Today's guest is Alfie Wattam. Alfie is a highly experienced recruiter who runs his own company called Alpha. Alfie joins me on the show today to discuss the strategies that you can use to stand out to recruiters and as well as that where he thinks the technology industry is going from a recruiter's perspective. If you enjoyed today's episode Alfie also has his own podcast called the Alfie Watton podcast so do make sure to check that out the links in the description. But without further ado here is my conversation with Alfie Watton. Hey Alfie thanks so much for joining me how are you doing? No problem happy to uh, to be here thank you for the invite. Great to have you. Um, so for listeners uh, and viewers of the social media clips who are not aware of you yet and maybe haven't come across you, particularly on places like LinkedIn, um, who are you and what do you do? So my name is Alfie Wattam. I'm the founder of Alpha Technology. So we recruit top software engineers uh, for growing teams across the UK. Um, that's what I spend 90% of my time doing. Um, and then in the free time that I have, um, I host uh, the Alfie Wattam Tech Podcast. Uh, we've done over 100 episodes. We speak to the, the world's leading digital experts, everyone from tech billionaires to best-selling authors to, to CTOs, dev leads and beyond um, about what's happening with the future of technology. Um, I do quite a bit of speaking um, at different events around uh, tech and hiring and recruiting. Um, wrote a book teaching uh, personal and professional development with careers and in people's lives. Um, what else? What else? Um, I'm a, a dad. Uh, I'm a husband. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that basically <laughs> sums me up. <laughs> But a very busy guy, basically, um, is what I'm getting from that. Um, and your podcast is really, really good. So I definitely recommend uh, people check out um, your podcast. I'll have it linked in the description, actually, um, for uh, for people because you, you've got so you've had some fantastic guests on there um, recently. So people should definitely um, check that out. So in terms of the technology industry, obviously you're on uh, more of the recruitment side. Mm-hmm. How did that journey start? Did you do the classic thing of falling into recruitment? Because as a former recruiter myself, before I learned to code, that's basically what happened to me yeah I've got a a bit of a wild um, story in terms of how I got into recruitment so growing up when I was a kid I I got really interested in in magic as a a hobby like like magic tricks and started performing um, for friends and family and then started to get quite good performing at shows and events and before long I was you know performing all around the world and in different countries at corporate events for um, celebrities and and world leaders and and billionaires and performing at their private conferences and and trade shows and that sort of thing Um, went on a couple of TV shows Uh, Britain's Got Talent was uh, the biggest one Um, had my own TV special um, at one point as well Um, and really um, was able to build a career as a a teenager really as a a professional magician Um, it was a lot of fun but it wasn't what I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to, to doing so um, it taught me a lot of skills around confidence around presenting around uh, showmanship around um, marketing yourself and and you know being a hustler and, and all of that good stuff um, and I took those skills that knowledge and kind of by accident built a recruitment slash talent company around around magic at first so I'd I'd be doing a show one night in um, Spain or, or Italy or somewhere and I'd get a request to be somewhere else around the world doing a different show but I, I couldn't be in two places at the same time so I'd call a magician friend up get them to do the show and I'd, I'd take a margin so I, I built a, um, a magic uh, recruitment company um, by accident um, realized that it was a lot of fun, but it probably wasn't um, career-wise the best industry to go after. Um, I was dating my girlfriend, now now wife, um, at the time, and she uh, was an academic um, and had an offer to do her PhD uh, in, in New Zealand. Um, I thought, what the hell, let's, let's go for it. So we moved to New Zealand together. Uh, she went at first, I, I, I followed a few months afterwards. Um, and then in New Zealand, we... Um, I basically decided, look, I'd love to continue doing the the business side of show business. The, the show side is fun, but the business, the doing deals part, that's probably a little bit more aligned to what I want to do long term. Um, so um, interviewed and, and got a position at Hayes um, instead of recruiting for 
magicians, recruiting for software developers. Uh, and that was really how I got into recruitment. Spent spent five years there and uh, and then set up on my own. But um, yeah, that was uh, definitely not the most standard journey into the, into the industry. Um, I kind of fell into it in a way, but uh, not in the way that most people do. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, I didn't realize that that was how you did it because I knew you had a background in in um, in magic and that kind of thing, but I didn't know that was actually specifically how you um, got into the recruitment industry. That's that's really interesting. You must have at some point in your career had someone joke about um, pulling a candidate like a rabbit out of the hat uh, at some point. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hundreds of times yeah, yeah I, I doubt I was the first because I did think about making that joke and uh, decided <laughs> that you've probably heard it a million times um but yeah that that's uh that's really cool obviously Hayes for people who um maybe like I know we have a lot of American listeners I don't know if they operate over there very very lot probably the largest recruitment agency um in the uh in the UK certainly isn't it it's so it's huge so you will have dealt with a lot of um a lot of engineers then is there something kind of as a headline you would say about um, the state of software engineering in the UK and generally the state of careers? Because we do have a lot of people on here that are actually still in the process of considering becoming a software engineer and not actually broken into the industry yet. Well, you know, we are still in many ways, from my perspective, at, at the early days of it, really. I mean, software engineering as a career has not been around for long. I mean, a couple of decades, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the rate of exponential growth especially in the past couple of years and you could even say months with uh, after gpt and everything has happened for, from that respect um it's it's still a great you know path to, to get into um a lot of the um dare i say it not so good developers are probably going to have um challenges once ai starts replacing large elements of of the profession um however the the 10x engineers are gonna are gonna thrive in in, in my opinion and and continue to, to do really really well and they'll become 100x engineers if, if that makes sense um so it's still a great career to get into but i think it's important to um treat it as a career and not you know not a side little passion hobby because you're going to get replaced by a uh, an AI bot which can do what you could do a hundred times better if you're not careful. So it's it's just about um, you know going the extra mile and uh, you know learning not just what you're taught perhaps at university if you're if you're a junior, but you know doing personal projects outside of that, building up your own um, you know GitHub um, portfolio and uh, and all of that you know in between. Really, it's probably similar cam to what you're told by other people on the show, right? Is that is that a similar response? Yeah, pretty similar. I think um, really it's uh, the particularly we've had, as you would imagine, a few chat GPT um, discussions recently, and it tends to boil down to um, chat GPT won't take your job, but someone using chat GPT will. Yeah. Uh, and that, that that's why we're saying it, you know, Pandora's box is open and these tools are out there now and, you know, they, you're going to have to learn to utilize them essentially. And yeah, I would definitely echo your advice around how, it's all about building up um, stuff on the side, be that if you're in uni studying comp sci um, or if you're uh, doing uh, being a career changer, um, both have their advantages. A lot of people really assume that you're automatically disadvantaged being a career changer. I actually really encourage people to try and lean into it if they, um, you know, for me, obviously being a former recruiter, uh, it means that actually you pick up a lot of skills that you don't realize about anyway but then also as well whilst you're learning because you've had exposure to commercial issues albeit from a different approach you're able to come up with potential solutions to that and think about how can i solve these issues with software so it's one of the best ways of actually having a commercially viable junior portfolio that is going to stand out versus your peers because you know when when i was in uni i had no idea how i mean i was doing a business degree so I probably shouldn't really say this but i had no idea actually day-to-day how most businesses operated um, because you don't when you're when you're sort of 19 and unless you uh, went straight into something after school so it's yeah uh, I, I would say it's very yeah very much you need to learn to embrace new technologies and you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable um, if you're going to learn I think that's a, that's a huge theme um, but I think generally for anyone uh, whatever their profession, like you're better being just slightly out of your comfort zone, uh, always trying to always trying to improve a little bit without it being completely overwhelming, you know. And then in um, in terms of that, have you found? Uh, I guess you've been recruiting for what, what was it like? Best part of a decade, I would guess. Completely, <laughs> complete no, no, guess. Yeah, I did. Um, 
I, I did obviously the the magic side um, for for a while. I guess you class mm-hmm. that as, as as recruiting to to a degree. Um, and then from a purely software engineering perspective, you know, I joined Hayes as a as a trainee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, worked my way up up the ranks to a consultant and a senior and a team lead and then a manager. And I was in um, New Zealand for about three years. Um, and then we came back after my my wife had uh, got her PhD. We came back mm-hmm. to the UK to, to London. Um, I built a few teams in London. And then when I finished with Hayes, I was the uh, the UK and Ireland uh, national uh, lead for the software engineering business. So, you know, big, uh, big, big team. We had 50 plus uh, recruiters. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a bit business making millions and millions of pounds um, a year, all from software engineering um, recruitment. And um, I did that for five years. And then I've been doing on my own now for almost a year. So, um a little bit under a decade, but uh, but we'll be we'll be approaching yeah. that soon, I suppose. Because <laughs> I was going to say, do you think it's evolved much during that time, and what changes yeah. have you noticed? I mean, recruitment itself, from a historical perspective, I mean, the early days of a CV go back to the Egyptian times of um, people writing it on on, on tablets, right? Uh, but the the modern recruitment agency really happened around kind of World War II, and we had a, a big shortage in supply and demand, and people needed work. Um, and then, you know, you saw the, the rise afterwards, you know, Hayes have been around for 50 years or something. Um, and then obviously you have the other kind of big, um, big corporates, whether that's uh, Michael Page or, or Adeco or, or Manpower or Robert Half and Robert Walters. And those are, are very much the, the, the big kind of um, companies. But in many respects, I, I would say the dinosaurs to, to some degree of, of the industry. And I, I can say that as somebody who's worked <laughs> there for, you know, for, for five years, um, great place to, to be and, and to learn the, the career. But um, I see so much innovation happening in, in the sector from startup agencies that are doing things differently and really trying to um, innovate and, and adapt to the market. Um, and those are not the, the companies which I mentioned at the start of, of that spiel. They are, um, you know, some of the more up and coming brands which are doing stuff a little bit more exciting. Um, it's a little bit like the old Apple commercial throwing the, um, the big hammer against the IBM man speaking on the, on the, on the video, the 1984 one. If you You've seen that, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's changed immensely from when I started. So, I mean, when I when I joined Hayes, it was you had to wear a suit and tie every single day. Um, you were you, know, you had to be in a certain minute. You could not leave after a certain time. You were on the phone like a physical hand set, going like this every single day, just cold calling back and forth. Um, teaches you a lot about persistence and. Um, you know how to do business development and, uh, and go out there to the market. Um, so crushing from a <laughs> emotional perspective. Um, you know, thankfully we have flexibility. We have, you know, especially after COVID, a new way of working for the most people. I'm working from from the home office today, for example, um, rather than the, the we work in in the city. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's changed immensely. You know, from uh, spamming out a hundred calls a day to now being more of a consultant and advisor to, to companies, you know, not working with them, not just to spam out CVs, but really to um, give them recommendations about best practice when it comes to recruiting, about talent acquisition, and I, I suppose skill shortages and, and all of that good stuff in, in between, really. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I left recruitment in, well, I left agency recruitment in 2017 and it was very I've seen it change a lot since then. Uh, like I've, I've actually, because of event sponsorships and stuff, and if I've had to be in a different city, um, I've worked in certain um, recruitment agencies' offices as, as a software engineer. And it, it's blown me away post-COVID how different culturally it seems to be now. And it seems that um, it seems that maybe perhaps that generation of very old school managers have now started to retire uh, post-COVID. But I was very much, I was laughing uh, kind of inside when, uh, maybe laughing and crying inside a little bit when you were talking about, um, you know, the phone and like that. The hundreds of dialouts and you know your ear just hurting at the end of the day because your yeah uh, handset was up there but I think it's good for the recruiters because they can function more more like a consultant because they have the trust um to do their best work and it's not going to be boiled down to a dialout and obviously that's then passed on to the candidate um mm. because you know you want to work with someone who who genuinely knows what's going on and isn't feeling under pressure to end the call after x amount of minutes and get onto the next dialout or something like that so I think it's um yeah it's really positive to see um, how the industry has evolved um, 
particularly for the smaller agencies. And I'm not just saying this, obviously, you're, um, you're, you're running your own agency, but um, I do always encourage people um, that uh, say to me, you know, I'm curious about working with the recruiter. I, I do tend to say just go for the smaller agencies because they will properly look after you, uh, mm-hmm. which is, uh, yeah, which is the best thing to do. I mean, ov- obviously, in terms of working with candidates, um, I mean, you might be a bit different, but I, I know most recruiters tend to work with um uh, people on the more senior end just because it makes more sense um business wise but if you were uh if you were advising a junior who's trying to break into the industry in 2023 along with the advice you already gave around chat gpt and embracing it um what what would you say is the best thing to do in terms of overall industry trends and um what to particularly watch out for um well i I talked about gpt um and I think AI is obviously an exciting place to to be focused on, but I wouldn't get into the habit of just focusing on whatever's you know hot and and trending, mm-hmm. right? Because you know one minute you're doing Web three, and then the next minute nobody you know cares about that, and everyone's focused on on AI right now. And um, you know, in six to twelve months, it'll be something new, most likely. You know, uh, Apple's going to release a uh, mixed reality headset in a few months. Um, that might. Um, take off and then boom, you know, VR suddenly the the thing to focus on again. I mean, um, I, I'd say pick something that you're passionate about because um, if you can do something long term that you enjoy, regardless of what the trends are going to be, you're, you're probably going to become pretty good at it and uh, and be able to stick it out. Um, I'm going to misquote it, but you know, Steve Jobs said something like, um, you know, life's going to hit you in the head with a brick so it's really important to um to find something that you really enjoy to do because um as you start to you know face those challenges and those difficulties um if you don't love what you're doing you're gonna quit because it's gonna be too hard so if you just pick an industry based on what's you know sexy and what's in the news then um you're probably gonna give up when it when it gets pretty tough and it's gonna get tough at, at, at times you know that's not just a recommendation for developers it's a recommendation for pretty much any career right <laughs> certainly recruitment uh, definitely um so yeah you know find something that you are passionate about find something that you enjoy um try and you know find something that does line up to what the market wants um obviously ai being, being the, the, the most current example of that but you know nobody is interested in um building software for you know monolith legacy applications if you're a developer learning you know cobalt of you know some legacy technology is not what i'd i'd, I'd suggest if if you're passionate about that maybe, maybe change your passion but um you know be passionate about something that is growing um and uh, don't just make it what's in the news make it something that you can you know be interested in five years from now um, regardless of what happens with, with the headlines yeah the fun factor is absolutely massive because if you're dedicating time particularly if you're already working in this sort of thing where you're building on it in the evenings and weekends then you know you're not going to learn if, you, if you're not being fun and like you, you know stuff like the, the playstation controller the netflix um subscription that's going to become a lot more appealing uh if you're um if you're not enjoying the the code you're doing and you know i'm i'm very into business and i appreciate not every developer is but i always suggest that people try and work on some kind of entrepreneurial start um project uh like startupgradjobs.com uh which is what i'm working on at the moment should be launched by the time this, this episode is out and i just think it's a really good way to keep your skills fresh and work on things you wouldn't otherwise even if you've already got a job in tech um because you learn it forces you to think outside the box and deal with situations that is normally abstracted to other people like i'm terrified of devops because with devops if you do something wrong it can cost you thousands so I'm not a DevOps engineer. I'm a front-end developer. But sure. on Celtic Grad Jobs, I have to do the DevOps. So it's like you pick up these skills that you otherwise wouldn't um, wouldn't do. So that's uh, that's absolutely huge. And what you said as well about um, you know not just chasing the big thing. Um, it's important to remember as well that yeah, these these hype cycles are are pretty temporary. But also um, with with those, a lot of the time, if if you're early in the hype cycle, you have to time the market right. Um, because right now in AI and, and Web three, um, you know they're not really looking for juniors because they need people that can come in and make an impact right now because it's so high growth. So actually. Uh, I would always advise people like learn the fundamentals in terms of the web technologies. Basically, I, I feel like I could actually sometimes boil this podcast down and uh, just say learn JavaScript or Python um, yeah, because yeah. then you can just do anything with those. I mean, you, you, you've probably seen in, in all the jobs you've worked on how many are just essentially derivatives of JavaScript yeah. and Python, I mean, no matter how senior. I, I taught myself JavaScript because um, okay. it's it's important 
I feel to have that understanding if I'm recruiting a React or a Angular or a Vue or a Svelte engineer, you know, it's important to not just look for keywords on a CV, but just actually mm-hmm. have a, I, I don't class myself a, as a developer, right? But um, I think learning basic HTML and CSS and I think it's important just to have a conceptual understanding at the very least. I mean, I, I did computer science at college, but um, mm-hmm. but never uh, never to the degree that perhaps you have, Cam. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think more recruiters should be doing that. I think if you, firstly, most tech recruiters don't know a single thing about tech. And they, they talk about that as if it's... Um, something to to be proud of like like the like like they're blagging it that's not something to be proud of right if you are not passionate about technology then you, you might be able to wing it but only for so long because you're going to be having a conversation at some point with some technical leader and they're going to bring up a point and it's so much better just to to actually understand it and to um be able to ask them a question and shock them to to, to a degree and hey have you if you looked at that company that's doing that or why, why don't you try out that framework instead for you know you know the, the, those types of conversations will serve you really really well as a, as, as a recruiter but um yeah i mean I, I i think understanding tech in terms of just reading the headlines is it's one thing, but going a little bit deeper and actually understanding it from a, um, you know, a product perspective can really separate you if you're in the recruitment game. I appreciate it's not a recruitment podcast, but it seemed like a relevant point. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it, it's important. And we do actually, funnily enough, actually have, uh, I reckon it's approximately 5-10% to 10% of people that listen to this are actually recruiters. So there is a sub-segment um, that are uh, are directly recruiters. But yeah, it is it is important. Um, and it's always good as well, because if you're giving out advice to recruiters, then the developers know kind of what to look for in a good recruiter. And if there's the genuine interest in the technologies, like, you know, no one's expecting a recruiter to be able to build them a full stack web app. Um, But, you know, just like you said, the genuine interest, maybe the fact that, like, as you say, that you've built, uh, you've you've built some stuff in JavaScript because you've self-taught is absolutely, um, absolutely huge. And like to to give some perspective uh, to people listening um, on my first day when I got put in the IT team at a uh, recruitment agency, um, the manager slapped me on the back and he said, uh, oh, this is the easiest team. All you'll need to know is control F um, because he just meant that, you know, you get a CV off and just control F for PHP or whatever, and then just spam someone who hasn't used PHP in 17 years um, for a job that's on the other side of the country. Um, but yeah, if, yeah, that, I guess it's um yeah it's easy to spot the good uh, the good recruiters all the time and um i think unfortunately because of those dinosaurs uh people have uh, a lot of devs swear off working with recruiters and actually there are plenty of really really good ones out there who will act as um, will act as a partner with you that's the biggest thing i think people should look for look for a recruiter who wants to partner up with you uh like i for me personally i have like two or three recruiters that I know that I trust a lot and that I work with. And we just check in, like just text each other sort of every, um, every couple of months, see how things are going. And, um, you know, I just trust them to, to show me good jobs. And a couple of them haven't even placed me before, but I just know that they have my best interests. And that's really important. I think, um, I mean, is there anything else that you would say, um, like green and red flags that candidates should look out for if, if, uh, they're faced with that first agency recruiter message on LinkedIn? That's a good question, right? Um, well, I suppose green flags would be decent tenure. The thing about recruitment is mm. you see a recruiter join one company and then three months later, they're at another agency. Six months later, they're at another agency. And um, I mean, there's only so long you can keep that up before saying, um, you know, you can blame the agency at the end of the day if you're a recruiter. But after the third one, you know, you kind of have to realize you're what, pointing, what's the common denominator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three of the fingers are pointing back at yourself, right? So, um, you know, I was with Hayes for, for five and a half years or something. And, um, you know, great, great time there and enjoyed my time climbing my way up the business, but ultimately felt like, um, it was time to innovate a little bit in, in the sector that I worked in. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to go and do my own thing. Um, so I suppose tenure would be something that's important if you're working with a, with a recruiter, if they're jumping all over the place, then, um, you know, they might get you an interview one day and then the next week they're gone and they're, they're, they're in another company. Um, I suppose that would be a, a green flag or also a red flag. Um, but, you know, basic lack of research. You know, if you uh, if you get pinged a message on LinkedIn and you have one of those little emojis before your first name trying to filter out the spam, I mean, it's a 
it's, it's a good technique in many ways because um, it just shows that somebody's done a massive mail um, or email blast to you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people, hoping that one percent of them come back and are relevant. Um, you can you can do that and it and it will work in the short term, but then long term, all, all the people that you've um, you've messed around, they're not going to come back to you and, and see you as a respected advisor they're going to see you as uh, somebody just praying and praying and hoping for the best so um i suppose work work with recruiters that you know have done the hard yards they've been there for a while that they, they know what it takes and um and avoid the the time wasters that are treating you as a number you know look for the ones that that value you as a as a person yeah i think a decent amount of personalization and a linkedin message is always huge as well and something i i do on my profile um it's a bit sneaky but it's buried in the about me section um and just says like look if you're a recruiter and you want to just prove that like you've properly read my profile then um tell me about your pet uh in your first message (laughs) and the reason why i like it as well actually is because i did wonder when i put it i was like oh does this make me seem really self-important but then also as well i thought actually it's quite a nice opener for them to like send me a nice message about about and like let me know that they're a human um so you know it's nice i get loads of pictures of golden retrievers and stuff in my inbox so you know uh no one could complain about that um so that's a that's a tip i'd i'd say to people as well and um would you say it's worth getting on the phone um with someone early on or or is it better just to uh to deal with um deal with people via via emails or or linkedin these days oh i'm a big proponent of of the phone Mm -hmm. i think um i very i hate texting with people it's uh i think texting is good for confirming details you know um but if you want to have a properly have a conversation or try to persuade somebody then you need to be on the phone um i mean prior to covid i was a bit of a meeting um face-to-face kind of guy i i I tried to even stay away from the phone i the point of a message for me was to get a phone call and the point of a phone call was Mm -hmm. to get a face-to-face meeting um now face-to-face meetings unfortunately are um are a little bit kind of behind us in a a lot of respects um you know and and zoom as uh it's okay but it's not quite the same is it um but uh, I, I think try and get in front of people face to face is the best way for me to prevent through, you know, conferences. There's so many of them and they're, and they're all you know, so many free ones as well. If you can't do that, try and get them on video. If you can't do that, get them on the phone. Last case scenario, I think LinkedIn and email. I, I know there are people that, that believe the exact opposite of that. Um, but I, I just find it's really hard to actually um, assess if a recruiter's good or if a candidate's good um, via message. I think it's a waste of time for the most part. I think you need to you need to speak to people like 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 we're humans. We're not we're not robots. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, it's interesting you touched on that about events. I think if you're a candidate, uh, well, I say candidate, if you're a developer who's potentially looking for a new job and you end up meeting recruiters at events, I would always say that's a green flag if they're taking time out, especially if it's the evening or something, to actually try and get involved in the ecosystem. I think that's always huge. Um, And generally speaking, I find that's a green flag for agencies as well. Um, Like as a a, uh, wider group, if they're like willing to um, support uh, community um, events, like I partner with, uh, with one in Glasgow, uh, that host all, all the uh, all the podcast meetups in Glasgow, and it, yeah. you know it, it just it works um, it works really well, and it's always it's always a really uh, uh, really green flag. But still talking about red and green flags, but let's be a bit more fair on the recruiters now and flip it round to okay. the uh, to the developers. Uh, you've obviously seen probably maybe tens of thousands of uh, developer CVs at this point. What are the massive red and green flags for you on a developer CV? Um. I'd say we'll start with red flags, right? Because that, that's a little bit easier to uh, to complain about. Um, I think just if you if your CV is more than two or three pages, uh, clearly you're not able to be concise and eloquent and and summarize that. I, it doesn't matter how how much experience you've got. I mean, no, nobody cared cares about what you did ten years ago. Just you know, keep that to, to a mm-hmm. couple of lines max, um, if that. Um, you know, the the most recent bullet points i'd say bullet points should equal bragging points you know nobody everyone knows what a developer does responsibility rise so so writing that you write code is not of value to anybody reading that cv you know you talk about specifically what what achievements you've made you know use numbers talk about what you've done not what the team's done but what you did as an individual um i think that's really important and that 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 would be a i suppose a red under green flag a, a red flag from the perspective of it being too long um I think one thing that's 
very important is, is um, just spell checking. I mean, it's absolutely fine if, if English is not your first language, um, but it's no excuse to not spell check and not, um, you know, perhaps even have a recruiter, which most of them will do it for free. Just have them, you know, sanity check it for you, or you can just find some service online. It won't cost you much just to do a proofread. Um, I see so many CVs where they spell the they spell the word developer wrong. Um, they spell the, the company they're working for wrong. Um, I saw one the other day, they spelled their own name wrong. Um, now, if, if they, like I'm saying, it's not a problem if English is not your first language. The majority of the candidates that, that I work with are from uh, probably India and, and China um, and uh, other places of, of Europe as well. But um, if you're not taking the time to, to, to cover the basics and that's then then are you really taking the time as a, as a developer are you going to be making issues on your on your code as well probably um the cv is an important document and the point of the cv is to get you an interview right i mean the point of the interview is to get you the job but if you um if you can't get the cv right then um then you're probably not going to get the interview to begin with um i think a good green flag would be just customization you know, it, it really takes five minutes to to slightly alter a CV, and I'm not I'm not talking about um, twisting the truth. I'm I'm talking about highlighting specifics which make you relevant for that particular role. So if you're applying to a um, a gaming company and you have no mention of the word you know gaming on your on your CV, then 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 it's going to be one of many. But if in your free time you you really enjoy playing games, maybe you've played three of their games that that studio produces, you could add a short paragraph at the top of your CV talking about that, talking about um, what you liked about them, what you didn't like about them, you know, customization. If you see on a, um, you could see the job being advertised and you could find out who the recruiter is. Let's say they're really into skiing. If you are as well, I mean, if you're not, then don't, don't do this. But if you are, then great. You know, you could, you could mention that in the top of your CV. Um, I've seen some CVs um, recently, which have, gone the the extra mile with this and it's amazing i had uh i had somebody um build a custom cv for one of my clients um in the style of that client's website um and they oh, turned wow. their cv into their website um i didn't ask them to, to do this but when they sent that to me i thought yeah this guy's good <laughs> <laughs> like it, it i didn't even read the cv i just knew that this person was was going to be good i had somebody um a lady recently who sent a 20 minute video along with her cv where on half of the screen she had the job description on the other half of the screen she had her cv and her face and she was going through each point of the jd describing on video how she um how she done what they were looking for um so go the extra mile you know it you know, keep it to a short document but try to put a spin on it which makes you stand out from the masses because if there's going to be a lot of candidates applying you know why should they pick you for the interview um so i mean there's, there's quite a lot of info there but hopefully some of that is, is beneficial yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, it always comes down to it's much better to um, send out 10 detailed, properly, thoroughly researched and customized job applications than it is even a thousand spray and praise. It's yeah. exactly, it's funny how many parallels there are between the career of a recruiter and the career of a developer. Because for a recruiter, if they send out a thousand spray and pray messages versus 10 very tailored messages to a candidate, they're going to have better results. And it's the same, it's the same the other way around. Like, uh, I totally agree. And, you know, it doesn't take much to customize, uh, your CV slightly for each job. Um, things like the, as you mentioned, the similar to me effect where you find a common interest or a mutual interest with the, uh, with the recruiter. Um, like I always suggest to people, if you apply for a job, find a recruiter on LinkedIn. It's usually pretty easy. Um, send a message to say, Hey, I really like this job and your company because of X, Y, Z. Um, and then, you know, let them know if they've got any questions they can follow up or even better. If you happen to have any questions, like not just made up ones, like genuine questions, uh, then, you know, it's going to make all the difference. And particularly for a junior dev job, like it's a bit different when you're senior and you're a bit more in demand, but, um, for a junior dev, it's the only one where the market is truly against you, so to speak. So it can make all the difference. Like when I was an internal recruiter and I, the first time I advertised a junior job, I was, I must've had 200 applications yeah. and just, it was the people that went the extra mile to drop me a line on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. You know, you can't help, but end up being, um, you know, giving them a bit more attention, end up almost being a bit biased towards that in the process. So that, that's absolutely huge. And yeah, I totally agree about your point on attention to detail on CV because coding is, you know, the review process of code is huge if you're going to try and merge it into the code base and you know and i'm saying this as someone who had a real clangor 
um, applying for a really cool startup for my first job, I, um, I said that I worked somewhere for 10 years by mistake instead of one year. And they messaged me back and it was like, you know, the attention to detail wasn't there and I was gutted, but it's, it was a completely fair decision. Um, on uh, on their part so these things are these things are huge and i think the other thing that goes out the window a little bit with dev sometimes you get so um tunnel vision about how it's all just about the coding and actually how much of it is about business sense and you can really convey that much better in an application than you can in any kind of coding test yeah there's an old quote with uh i think it was the book how to win friends and influence people a really great book on um how to build relationships and it mm. says that 85% of success is about your ability to deal with people even in technical fields like engineering um so i mean the, the best coders a lot of the time are um i i just the best people people and they they, they can then build teams of engineers to you know achieve goals a lot quicker because you can do it a lot faster with an army rather than as an individual a Mm -hmm. lot of the time um but just to go back to your point about um the power of being specific and tailoring stuff um you know i'm i'm uh the editor of uh, coda magazine which is a, a tech publication where we repurpose a lot of the um my podcast content and we've recently started to to reach out there and look for um you know people doing guest submissions and, and writing a few um sort of opinion articles on on, on coding and technology and um we put out a, a call to our, our database of um you know, thousands of engineers, if anybody would like to contribute to this. And um, we had so many people just completely um, miss the criteria of what, what, what we were looking for. We were very specific how many words, how, you know, what, what type of content would, would be appreciated, et cetera, et cetera. Most people just sent back like a Medium link or, or a Substack link sort of thing. But um, the people that had done the research and took the time to um, to do that, you know, and sent through, you know, the right amount of words and the right amount of uh, detail. Um, obviously, those are the ones that, that, that we featured in, you know, in, in the publication. Um, whereas the people that didn't take the time to do any of that preparation and research, even if it was very small, didn't stand a chance because they didn't meet the criteria. So um, you're right that there's a lot of parallels between a recruiter and a developer. But I think that point applies to pretty much anything in life, whether that's writing, whether that's podcasting, whether that's speaking building a business or anything in between really yeah yeah it, it, it's one of those things that it can just make a huge difference uh, as well just producing any kind of content like um have you come across the uh learning public movement um much in in terms of context of coding learning public in in terms of sort of open sourcing your personal development and, and talking about yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think it's, I think I it's think a great, it's great way to do it I, I do that quite actively on on twitter you know we've we built up a following of um it must be like 13 14 000 people now that uh, I've, I've followed my open source journey of building oh, a business brilliant. building a podcast building you know writing um and um if you go back to my early posts it's um it's hey uh, i'm just thinking about starting a podcast and then three years later it's you know hey we've just booked this billionaire on on the show so you know um i think there's something quite valuable in learning in public because it public humiliation and accountability works if you, yeah. if you say i'm going to do something and you, you post that on social media and then you don't do it and you have uh, a good you know connections of, of friends who, who are willing to hold you accountable and say hey you, you haven't done that where where is that app where is that side project um to, to me personally I, I hate looking like an idiot in, in public so i i will um work you know till the early hours of, of the morning if i have to 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 not um fail on what i've posted online so I'm a, I'm a big believer in open uh sourcing and you know publicly declaring what you're going to do i think i think it works yeah there's so many aspects to it because yeah you're much more likely to actually get it done i mean I try and practice it as much as possible. I mean, earlier in the show, I literally said startup grad jobs should be out now and I'm going to look like a Wally if it's not. Um, you know, I have another aspect of that where I have a uh, shout out to my friend, uh, Dan Bruce, who also builds in public. Um, we have a bet on with each other where if I don't get it out by the end of April, he's got to, I've got to give a tenant to dog's trust if I don't. And if I do get it out, he's going to give a tenant to dog's trust. So either way, the dogs win. Um, but, you know, you can have all, all, the, all these little things and it's absolutely massive, particularly if you're trying to get your first job in tech. Like just if you set up a Twitter account where it's like, oh, I, I, this is my learned code journey. And then how good is it for a recruiter to be able to click on that and just see you go through that journey and like um, building and, and improving and like 
the qualities it takes to be a great engineer are just so clearly on display. Like if I'm hiring, then that's the exact kind of person that I'm going to pick, even if they're maybe technically 5% weaker than someone who hasn't got any kind of history of, um, of that sort of thing, because it just goes to show they've got all of the um, intangibles that, that someone would need. So yeah, um, I, I, I love the whole building public, learning public. It's uh, I think I credit it to actually a lot of me actually being able to get stuff done much more <laughs> over well, it, the last year or two. <laughs> it makes content creation easier as well. I mean, in, in 2023, everybody wants to be a content creator. And yeah. I, th- I think it's, um, you know, I've been, I've been creating content. I've had a YouTube channel for a, you know, a decade now, right? Um, going back to videos and me performing as a magician, and um, and you know, now obviously a very, very different, uh, you know, type of type of posts. But if you're documenting the journey, then that's the easiest type of content there is to create because you're not having to create anything. You're just sharing about what what, what you're doing as you're as you're going along. So I mean, if if, if for people that want to create content, which is important for personal brand, I mean, that's a uh, um, you know, almost a necessity in, in, in today's market, if you want to stand out from, from, you know, everybody else, um, then the, the easiest way of doing it is you don't need to sit down and, and plan and produce and then create and then, you know, edit and then get something out there. You can just, you know, document the journey. And then in 10 years, you can, you can look back on, on everything that's been involved in that process. And your, um, I hate the word followers, but that, you know, the people that, that watch that will, will, will really enjoy it because, um, they will have seen the evolution and they'll, they'll be along, along you on, on that, on that progression They'll they'll root for you. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't mind kind of sharing when I, when I've messed up up, like, uh, you know, when I've made bad decisions around content or like around making the wrong decisions we're, we're building. And, um, you know, I think it's important that, uh, both I learn from my mistakes and other people can as well. I think it, you know, it's good. And I think people should share, uh, when not just the successes, but when, when stuff goes a bit wrong, um, as well, like, uh, I always like to, one of my go-to lines when I'm trying to make someone feel better, um, because they feel inadequate as I always try and say like, oh, you know, um, you see everyone else's highlight reel, um, but you just view your own bloopers. And, uh, I think, you know, we could all do with showing, uh, our bloopers sometimes because it's not about embarrassing ourselves. It's about showing kind of what we've learned because I'm very much a believer of we're building products, particularly by coding. You either win or learn, um, it really. Um, so it's, I really encourage people to, get over the shyness of um first kind of posting about your learning because like it is i found it really hard at first and i thought oh what are people going to make fun of me for um you know not being a really great developer um but like no one ever did that and people were actually so helpful and when i lost my i lost my job early in the pandemic actually and um i got like over a thousand retweets from the tech community like it's a genuinely really really nice um and kind place that will help you upgrade your skills so i definitely encourage people um to uh to to get on there and start start documenting your journey it's it's uh yeah and then like you said it's nice to look back on as well isn't it yeah no win or learn is is the mindset right um and you know surely you'd rather have those people um (laughs) almost knowing who you are and and potentially you know criticizing you rather than just not knowing who you are to begin with i mean you've got to uh you've got to be willing to um you know, get in the arena and, and, and risk, you know, you know, risk the punches. You can't just stand on the sidelines watching other people do all the fighting. Sometimes, I mean, as a life wasted, in my opinion, you only get one of them as far as we, as far as we know. Right. So, um, you know, why not, why not try and give it everything that you have and, uh, you know, win all, win all learn. That's a really good way of looking at it. Um, you know, you only really fail if you, if you give up, so if you, if you don't give up, then you haven't failed. Um, I appreciate that sounds super Tony Robbins cheesy, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's true. And it's important to note that pivoting isn't giving up as well. Like uh, just because you're um, switching your business model or switching your goals doesn't mean that you've uh, you've given up. And I think that's important to remember, like, you know, in the context of programming, if you decide to s- switch from learning JavaScript to Python, doesn't mean you've given up or you decide or even perhaps you decide, oh, actually, do you know what? I think I'd be a better UI UX designer um, in, instead uh, of a front end developer. That's not giving up. That's just pivoting your goals. So, yeah, I totally agree. And um, as you said earlier, yeah, uh, there's no point being being afraid of what people are saying. I think Oscar Wilde, I think you said uh, uh, the only thing worse than being uh, talked about is not being talked about. So sure. um, I'm a big believer in that as well um and in terms of 
like on a wider spectrum, obviously we're we're in the interesting times to say the least in the world, um, but specifically the UK. What do you see as the future of the UK technology scene? Seeing as you're working day in day out with a lot of, I imagine, high growth companies. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we're really at the early days of of this whole AI stuff, right? And the interesting thing is what happens when the AI starts creating AI, which starts creating AI, right? I think Kurzweil predicted 2045 for the singularity. Maybe he was uh, perhaps even a little bit <laughs> timid in that prediction. Um, I think we're about to enter the craziest time in all of history because of exponential growth. You know, it's not about one, two, three, four, five. It's about one, two, four, eight, 16, you know, and then by the time we're at 30, we're at, we're at billions. Um, I think more more is in the next decade, more, more will happen in a month than, than happened previously in a year. And then pretty soon more will happen in a, in a week than happened in 10 years in terms of innovation. Um, I think generative AI, uh, I think text, you know, text to text with GPT was was a start. Obviously, text to, to pictures with with Dali and Midjourney and um, everything. I think text to video is going to be coming soon. And I think very soon you'll be able to type in, um, you know, hey, show me this. And you'll be able to create a movie uh, out of out of a couple of prompts. Um, that makes me worried as somebody who hosts the podcast. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but um, I, I I don't know if uh, if what what we do as a medium is still going to be. Um, I don't know if you've seen the AI Joe Rogan podcast that came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, but somebody's created an entire episode of of Joe Rogan, and you can't tell it's you, listening to it. You don't know if it's AI or not. So um, they haven't got, got the video component on those done yet. But when when that happens, um, it'll be interesting because we we won't know what's real. Um, I think Elon might have been onto something with the Twitter verification ticks, um, you know, to see if that's the source of truth. But then what happens when when Joe Biden's Twitter get, gets hacked and there's a deep fake of him declaring war on, on Russia? You know, what, what happens then? So I think we're in, in for really interesting times globally when it comes to tech. Um, I think the UK is really just an extension of, of that. I mean, what it tends to happen to begin with in the US and then and then obviously in, in the Valley and then it kind of rolls out um, everywhere else, um, you know, the UK being being very closely behind. But I, I don't know if those timescales are going to be super relevant anymore because, um, you know, GPT went from, it was the fastest growing um, product service ever in, in history. You know, it, it went from zero to... Um, a million users in a couple of days and and a hundred million um you know not not so many days after that if you look at the google search trends it's just kind of not a, not a hockey stick it would just be like a like a, an eye and nice great yeah. <laughs> straight straight going up right so um you know that, that that bleeds into robotics um really interesting stuff being done you know obviously boston dynamics um but you know a lot of other companies around that are doing some very interesting stuff and when that connects i'm speaking to- with uh, someone tomorrow on the podcast who used to be ceo of a robotics company so okay. yeah there's definitely a lot going on there <laughs> yeah no i mean that that entire space with machine learning is super interesting um you know web free kind of um in many respects has died a bit of a death but i think it's going to um rise from the ashes to a degree and 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 be be super relevant again once people start to come up with practical use cases of a lot of that technology you know i, I interviewed recently um dr craig Wright on my podcast who mm-hmm. um many people believe is satoshi nakamoto um i i am uh i'm not as convinced as perhaps some of those people um but it was a very interesting episode and regardless of if you believe him or not um you know blockchain technology um is got so much application and 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 possibility which hasn't been utilized yet um i know there's some crazy predictions around uh, the future of, of of bitcoin and i know there's like balaji who reckons in like i think like 60 days he's got left on his bet he reckons it'll be at a million per, per coin oh yeah how's he doing with that because i i heard about that on my first million um last month and i thought surely not i mean i've got some so i hope it does but uh, it's about thirty thousand yeah. at the moment um it's rallied Big time. Yeah, I mean, it's, got, it's gone up, but but obviously not to the degree. He, I think his thesis is, you know, SBV has collapsed, but he, he believes mm-hmm. that um, many, many other banks are insolvent and we just don't know about it yet. And we'll start to find out about that in the next couple of weeks. Um, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see, right? But, um, you know, I think, I think that technology itself has got um, 
crazy potential you know and nfts have been used for the most silly reason yet but you know we could be using that for every receipt could be an nft every concert ticket and um, there's so much possibility there so i think a lot of if you look at the gartner hype you know trend cycle whatever you call it you know i think i think a lot of those technologies have kind of gone down and that now they're starting to, to come back up again which will be really really interesting over the next decade um but i mean this i think your question was really just around uk tech trends right i think all those areas I've, I've mentioned um, are going to explode and it's going to be the craziest time ever to, to, to be alive. Um, and I think it's going to be either really, really great and amazing, or it's going to, it's going to be dystopian cyberpunky. Um, who I don't think anyone knows the answer, but uh, yeah, what a time to be alive anyway. Yeah. And what a time to be involved in the technology industry. So, uh, and I think the nature of the job will always end up evolving alongside uh, whatever technologies um, emerge from it. So, you know, it's never been a better time to get into technology, even if the market has dipped somewhat, um, for sure. So, yeah, I agree with you. Very exciting times ahead. Um, and we'll, it remains to be seen um, what ends up what ends up happening. But it's been really awesome having you on the show today. Really, really cool chat. And I've just realized, I think it's the first time in about 30 episodes that we've had someone from the recruitment world on. So it's been long overdue. So thank you uh, for contributing uh, from uh, from the other side of the fence there as well. That's been, um, that's been great. And if people want to find yourself, uh, your book, your podcast, what, what's the best way? Um, all the links are on alfiewatton.com. I'm sure you can put a thing on the yeah, screen or in the enough. comments or something. Um, so yeah, click on that, um, you know, and then, uh, best way to, uh, hit me up is on Twitter or, or, or LinkedIn. Um, and all my links are on the website. Um, podcast is, is doing well where we're starting to, um, bring on a lot of big guests, people that, that you would know in, in the world of tech. Um, we have a lot of really interesting people that follow the show and like the show. Um, we had Michael Dell on, on Twitter the other day and getting engaging with it. You know, when you've got the 12th richest man in the world um, talking about the pod, you know, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on a, a good journey. So um, for people that want to learn about the future of technology and, and a little bit more about what I talked about today, then that's probably the best place to do it. Um, if you want to learn about how to advance in your in your career, how to grow your team, your business. Um, the book's the best place. Um, working on a couple of books at the moment, um, which um, will will be probably be revealed towards the end of this year. Um, you know, I really want to make sure that I get those right. I think when I wrote my first book, a lot of fun, but I really wish I doubled down and 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 really wrote a book book and, and really you know mm -hmm. went the extra mile with that perhaps didn't follow my own advice to, to some degrees on that it was uh, a little bit shorter than I perhaps would have liked um when I re originally wrote it it was it was it was big and then I kind of got you know that, that <laughs> that's like, away. yeah yeah you, you chop 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 away but um I think it'd be good to chop 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 away and then do that same routine chop 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 away and then and then get something that's, that's pretty big saying that though with with the way that um you know you can write a book from a prompt on gpc who knows maybe if that will be even relevant in in, in a couple of years so um so yeah i mean everything's on on alfiewatton.com cool sounds good well yeah thanks again for coming on and thank you as well to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the code of career um you can find me on youtube twitter and everything else uh, similarly it's on my link tree which is in the description 